In this episode of the FAC Student Podcast, I talk to Ridda of FAC 18 and Ruben of FAC 17 about their journeys into and through FAC, as well as what they've been doing afterwards and what it's like to mentor another FAC cohort. Hello and welcome to another episode of the FAC Student Podcast. I'm your host, Azizi Adiemo, and I'm joined today by Rida. Hello. And Ruben. Hey. So, how's it going, guys? Yeah, really well, thank you. How are you? I am not bad at all. I'm not bad at all. And why why have I got you on today? Which, which cohort are you from? I'm from FAC 18. I'm from FAC 17. So how long ago were you guys doing Founders and Coders then? So my cohort was the one straight after Rubens, um, and we started at the end of October 2019. So that would put me starting at about July and finishing November-ish, I think, if I got that right. Cool. October, yeah. And has have you both managed to find yourselves in tech and being successful since? Uh, yeah, we actually work together, which is really fun. Um, it's nice to work with a fellow FAC person, FAC alum, um, and we work with a start. We work in a startup that's actually based in Space Four, so we sort of knew the founders before we were, came on board. Uh huh. So. Oh, so the startup has started up since FAC, or I'm confused there. What oh, do you right. mean? No, they were already um, going there, so they've been around for about two and a half years now, mm-hmm. um, and they're called Time to Spare. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Tom, who founded the company, uh, is based in, well, all of them are based in Space 4, and he would run um, quiz lunch, like lunchtime quizzes. Uh, on a Wednesday when we'd have community lunch. Oh, cool. Okay, so this is like the stuff that happened before we were all in quarantine and exactly. only like six people at a yeah. time were allowed in Space 4. <laughs> yeah. Normal people's things where we could share food and touch each other. Well, no. Um. <laughs> uh, I remember those times. I didn't mean that to sound that way. <laughs> um, get get within more than uh, less than two metres of each other at yep. least though. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, so um, so what's it like there? Like, what what do they do, and what what have you been doing since? Uh, so we build tech for the voluntary sector. So it started out as um, sort of monitoring and reporting for charities to, um, particularly small charities, to kind of prove their worth and their impact. Um, and we work a lot with Camden Council, and we work with a whole bunch of charities um, across the nation. And um, yeah, work on the app. It's really exciting. But we've got quite a few things that we've been doing. That's superb. I think like a lot of what FAC is about is obviously like these ways of using technology to do something that's valuable to society. So like managing to find your way into a startup like that, like off of the back of founders and coders, it must must be quite, quite rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was something that I certainly was looking for um when i was considering where to go next um even before deciding on software development i was looking for something with more social impact 
was it something was it something similar for you Ruben yeah I think off the back of that one other thing that really uh, that I really like about this company is the size of the team and how intimate it all is like you can go up and talk to the founders and like understand how things work how like the history of the company which wasn't that long ago um and you're also like really involved in in um, like client meetings and that sort of thing i personally i don't have a history of professional work so it's really been helpful for me to be involved in that kind of thing and just dive straight in um there's like many occasions where i just don't feel very useful but it's been a really good learning experience to to be in those situations and pick up what i can from that yeah i mean i'm um working for a startup as well and i am enjoying the sort of closeness of like the the community of us because there aren't that many of us there and like having yeah being able to talk to everyone and anyone that's in the company like adds a lot i think um, I haven't been in that many meetings yet, though, so I have no idea what they're like with clients. I'm sure I'll find out soon enough. Um, so we've gone straight into like what you're doing now. And mm-hmm. I, I am really, really interested in that. And I think like for people listening, it's like fascinating to sort of find out like what opportunities there are in tech that like might not be as sort of traditional as people might be thinking of. Um, so yeah, like working in the charity sector, super cool. Um, but I'd really like to know like how you found out and got into founders and coders, like what, what you were doing before. And you said that you'd like change, uh, thought about finding a way into some sort of socially beneficial sector, um, before you even started looking at, at coding, Rida. So Tell me about that. Um, so I used to work in digital comms and marketing. Um, so I did an English degree, graduated into a recession in 2008. Um, so there wasn't much in terms of opportunities, but I managed to find an internship and then um, a job at a PR trade association and then worked at a PR and Marcoms agency for a couple of years doing digital because that's... Um, where I kind of had an interest. So I was kind of working with developers and designers and clients um, on these big like 360 kind of integrated Marcoms campaigns. Um, and so I was, I kind of felt code adjacent in a way, I guess. Um, but I didn't really know that, I didn't really think I had a way into actually becoming technical at that stage. I didn't really think there was a route there for me. I wasn't really aware of um boot camps uh back then sorry i think your question was more about the social impact but so <laughs> no 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 this is this is exactly it like i'm i'm really curious about the whole like route that you that you mm. found your way into into software development into fac and like your reasons for doing that sure um so i was working on kind of cons- lots, lots of consumer campaigns but also corporate and healthcare Um, And I think after a few years of doing that, you do kind of feel like, how many more smartphones can I promote, (laughs) for example? Um, And uh, you do start to think, what kind of value is your work bringing to society as well? Um, So then I kind of moved into a charity called Business in the Community, 
which was more about responsible business. And I did that for a while. Um, but I still wasn't really, I was enjoying it and I was enjoying kind of the work uh, in terms of the causes that we were strengthening. Um, but I wasn't really uh, feeling like I wanted to progress in that career. Um, I didn't really see the leadership positions being for me, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of thinking maybe I want to do something else and something a bit more challenging in a different way. Um, and I didn't really know what that might be. Uh, so I kind of took a career break and went traveling for a bit and tried to think about what I actually wanted to do. I kind of sort of thought about maybe starting like a baking business because I got really into baking. Um, but, um, and then my friend who went, who I went to uni with and, um, he did, uh, founders and coders and he was on fact 14 and, um, as he was doing it and even afterwards he was like, I think this is something you'd really enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. and kind of didn't really let it go. He kind of kept pushing me on it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm very grateful to him for, for recommending that to me. Right. So, I mean, if you felt like you, you didn't have a way in, if you felt like the, that technical, the technical knowledge that sort of the, at the gate of even starting to become a developer, like how did you, how did you overcome that? What, what steps did you need to take to to start to get involved with FAC and and was it challenging to begin with? Or um, did you just find that you had more more of that ability than you'd assumed? I think what happened was when I was um in in the job as a uh in the comms job, I was doing things like uh Khan Academy and Code Academy and like I'd play around with Google Code Playground and I'd look at source code on websites. I think I was always quite techie at school um my, both my um uncles are like software developers so it, it was sort of an option for uni even but I just loved English so I went that way um but my problem I think was more kind of structure and motivation which is definitely something that FAC provided and that I kind of really needed to like be with a group of people who were equally motivated and helpful um and I think that was it's so special about founders and coders with peer-led learning yeah I think yeah there's there's something very enjoyable about like being with a group of people who are facing the challenges that like learning so much so quickly presents like at at the same level like all trying to muddle through together Um, absolutely yeah it works well so so how about you Ruben like what what led you to fact yeah um long story short a bit of an existential crisis but having listened to the podcast it's probably similar for a few other people um so I moved to the UK with my parents in 2017 um and at the time I had done a year of music uni back in India um and then I moved here and I was considering continuing with that course um so I had the option to just um enroll in a uni with those credentials but um given how international student fees work that just didn't seem like a great idea at the time and I didn't really know what else I was good at or what else I wanted to do um I didn't really do well in the last two years of school so applying to uni for anything else would have been quite difficult um 
and based on how I felt in school, I didn't want to like get into a at like less than average uni and like slog away for a few years. I I didn't want to do that. Um, so then I started looking. I think what I looked for first was work experience, um, like apprenticeship kind of things, uh, which Fac is now starting to do. But I started looking at those kind of things and, and like in in different fields. It wasn't tech initially, um, but at the same time I was sort of rethinking what I did enjoy from school. Um, and there was this one um, computer science course, which um, we did Java, but we didn't do very much of Java. We we learned about as much as we learn in the first half of the prerequisites of founders and coders, like if statements, <laughs> for loops, and we stopped there. That's all we did for two years. So it was quite a bit of a drag <laughs> to just do if statements and for loops for two years. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and apparently a lot of computer science courses in India are a bit like that as well they stick at the basics for a long time um but segue sorry it took me Um, a long time to get four loops though (laughs) yes but two years is a bit bit much to to, to just be drilling four loops um yeah and also we were writing code on paper so I'm quite surprised that I walked out of school still liking code and Thinking back on it, I probably didn't because we didn't do anything practical. We didn't build anything that was usable. We were solving like um, the Fibonacci. We were doing tech tests on paper over and over. Um, And I now understand why some kids really hated that. Most kids really hated that, which is fair. Um, So then I I didn't really, I I kind of, I was good at that, but, but I didn't see how that translated to tech in the real world. Um, but then be- because I sort of had an interest in that, I picked that up again and started just doing random HTML tutorials, Code Academy, that like the whole thing. And this is before I found FAC. Um, so I think there was like three months of doing this. And then I'm like, okay, this is something I definitely want to do. I start looking for like um, apprenticeships and like anything that isn't a uni degree and doesn't cost £20,000 a year. Um, and I think that search led me to fact if I'm not mistaken I may have googled how to learn coding for free and like came across one of the reviews for fact where it said that it was a free boot camp Um, and then like my decision was made there I I didn't look at anything else at that point Um, but then it, it just became a really firm decision when I started coming to meetups, um, and I came to a lot of meet- meetups because at the time I wasn't really doing anything else. I had a retail job, but apart from that, I wasn't doing anything. Uh, so I attended pretty much every single meetup every single week. I would just um, take the tube into London, um, which is an hour, and then come back. And it was, in a way, it was the highlight of my life at the time. <laughs> Because I was new to the country, I didn't know anyone, and I was meeting so many interesting people. And um, the whole of FAC was like that for me, actually. I was meeting people who I wouldn't have met had I gone to university. Um, People who aren't in my immediate age group, but also people with different experiences in life and with more experience in life than than I do. Um, And I think I just picked up a lot from being in that environment. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what led me to fact. 
I mean, for my part, I found the FAC community that I have been a part of for much, much less time than uni to provide more opportunities to meet more in- interesting people and to have more interesting conversation than, like, I guess most of my university degree um, but I've complained about that in another episode so we won't worry about that <laughs> yeah. um, here's a really important question then Ruben do you think you got your money's worth <laughs> uh, money being uh, time and effort probably a hundred percent yes I, I this feels unfair how how much value I got out of this process and just how lucky I am to to be in a situation where something like this is possible um Mm -hmm. and it's just I I just think it's such a great idea which is why like after graduating I tried my best while I was job hunting to to just go back and be in that space as much as possible because it it just gave me so much motivation um not just to code but just like to exist in a way uh, yeah it's just, it's just a really great environment and I, and I really think both sweet. of you <laughs> probably feel the same way about it I think we do but I think there's also like a running joke that Ruben's part of every cohort since fact 17 <laughs> uh, I'm um, yeah I'm hoping that will stay the same for fact 21 but also maybe not that much because I have a job now <laughs> <laughs> but you have a job that is hopefully going to be in the same space that Fact 21 is happening. So, yeah. Th- this is a cunning plan. This is a very cunning plan. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah, this this was, um, this, not going to lie, a significant part of what made this job so attractive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess I'm always interested in what people's past lives bring what advantages that gives them in in coding i think like it's because facts got people from so many different backgrounds i think we end up um being able to think about code in different ways and being able to sort of find our processes of of dealing with developing um in different ways as well um so so Rida, what what from your your previous jobs or any of the rest of your previous life do you think like has helped and how has it helped with being a developer? Um I think a lot of things actually. I didn't expect there to be quite so many quite so much crossover, but because I was dealing with um digital comms I sort of knew about websites and how they were structured and the idea of metadata. And I'd explain that to clients. So I kind of knew all of that structure. And also I approach things very much from a user's perspective. So that's kind of my way in is, um, which I think is obviously really helpful if you're a front end developer to have that constantly in the back of your head, that how is the user going to interact with this and what are they looking for? Um, So I think Mm -hmm. all of that was incredibly valuable I kind of use it every day and in some ways it's not even something I need to think about um I guess other things I was very client facing so I think just talking to clients and just being in an office well I say virtual office environment I guess um (laughs) helped 
and although I'm not managing people at the moment, but I have had that experience, I think just working across teams, I think that was all very important, uh, bringing to the FAC experience as well, because you're working in small teams, you need to, you know, um, collaborate closely and it can be stressful at times and just being able to manage all of that and, um, work together towards a common goal, uh, is really helpful. But as Ruben was saying, the size of our team, and I think the attitude of like a startup and particularly the people, um, Will and Tom, uh, it very much feels like working with friends, which is kind of a continuation of FAC, I think, which is something that I didn't really want FAC to end. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I feel like a lot of us who go through FAC by the end of it, we're like, we're no, no, I don't want it to end yet. <laughs> I'm not ready. Um, and so it was really nice to kind of go into a company which still had a, quite a similar sort of attitude to fun. Yeah, it is interesting how, how many FAC alumni end up working together as well. Like, I think... Yeah, there's that that particular sense of community. Lots of us want to hang on to it, and lots of us succeed at hanging on to it. So, mm-hmm. how how about the English degree? Has that helped at all? Um, I suppose so. Yeah, copywriting in general. I guess microcopy as well. Uh, mm-hmm. That always Putting applies. Parks I think. and recreation references into our website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. Um, it's quite funny because. Uh, Tom set up uh, Founders and Coders and so he would go um, all of our test like staging data is random references so it's really fun to find them uh, when you're when you're building something you're like oh that's funny there's a Jason Mendoza in there <laughs> good place <laughs> oh fantastic <laughs> one task for you is easy to try and find all the references in our new website <laughs> yeah oh that's beautiful i'm very tempted (laughs) i know yeah so we rebuilt was it last week ruben yeah yeah so we spent like like three or four frenzied days rebuilding our well designing and rebuilding our marketing website um which was quite fun (laughs) Uh, so so obviously um fact does somehow include a vast number of references to parks and rec um really fortunately <laughs> was like just before starting back me and my partner started watching parks and rec again so every time somebody was coming up with any sort of reference to it i knew exactly what was going on even though it was years and years since i'd originally started it which was a delight so yeah i'm definitely game for for trying to find all the parks and rec references in your website <laughs> perfect <laughs> amazing yeah so same question to you then, Ruben. What, apart from your charming personality, has your previous life given you that you found really useful in coding? Oh, don't just start it with a compliment like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one thing that helped me a lot coming into fact is that I was desperate for a break and to, to feel um, motivated to do something again. Uh, which I kind of like lost in school. So I kind of went from not being interested in learning anything to being extremely interested in every single thing that's being thrown at me. Uh, (laughs) And that sort of attitude just helped me, I think, deal with the intensity of the course a bit. Because it is, it does get just so much information gets thrown at you. Um, and I think just being excited about that, uh, not that it's hard to be with so many great people around you, 
but when you're so excited to learn it happens quicker that's at least that's what i've found for myself um and it's not <laughs> this is a really weird thing to bring from your past life it's just i was really demotivated and then fact motivated me so i'm better at like doing stuff quicker now um but that's one thing the other but thing can i can yeah, i just pause you there because yeah. i think that i do think that's a really interesting point because i think it's it's the it's the environment within which you're learning it's like the it's it's the way learning is offered and the form in which it comes and the people you're doing it with like can change it from being a chore to something that's an absolute joy and like fa founders and coders can be overwhelming but if you've got all of that motivation it can make you excited about being overwhelmed i think at least that's what it was for me i yeah. completely agree about the kind of the it felt like playing again, like solving these problems and challenges and having, I don't think, I remember saying that I don't think my brain's hurt this much from thinking whilst doing <laughs> fat. I was like, ah, oh, this is what it feels like to use your brain really hard. <laughs> um, and that, yeah, it's, it's a joy. It really is. Yeah. What was your second point, Ruben? Um, well, and what was the other thing you were going to go on and say there? Yeah, Ruben. <laughs> my other thing is... Um, I generally find that making music or learning about music and writing code are kind of similar um, in that I sort of feel the same way. If, it's not always, but if, if I'm in a good like coding flow and I'm like actually getting things done, um, it feels a lot like a good practice session or a good session of like recording something. Um, and the kind of like... It's equal parts um, knowing something and like drawing from past knowledge, but also it's it's like decisions and like there's different ways to achieve the same output and like um, recording, writing music versus coding is, is kind of similar in that way. Um, and I think just, just being open to the idea that there are different answers to the same problem has helped me a lot because um, that's not something you often learn in conventional education um, but you do need that as a developer yeah i mean creativity is absolutely essential like even if you're making something that's supposed to look like someone else's design like choosing the right way to do that finding a a better way to do that possibly can you, well, will involve using your imagination to work it out. Yeah, I think what's also really interesting about the kind of the FAC model as well, where you pair program or you work in teams so much, is that it's really interesting watching how different people think um, and approach a problem differently to you. I really always enjoyed that. Yeah, all the stop go continues as well. I like, there's so many situations where I wish a stop go continue would happen but it doesn't and then just f lots of things just get built up over time um and yeah it's it's great it's you just get exposed to so many different people you see how they code but also how they think mm. um and you sort of have to change yourself to to be able to work better with these people 
I think it's interesting that you brought up the creativity thing, Azizi, because I don't think enough is made of just how creative it is, coding in general. Yeah. I think from the outside, people think it's very, like, technical. Yeah. Just mathematical. Um, and of course, it is very mathematical, but there's a lot, a lot of imagination and creativity that goes into it as well. It's recognising all of the tools that you've got and then building something beautiful out of them or with them not out of them that wouldn't make sense you just end up with some sort of ladder made of spanners um (laughs) this is also why like app and website development captured my attention so much more than writing for loops on a piece of paper is that (laughs) you get to make something and use it and show people and have them tell you that the colors aren't good <laughs> but, <laughs> but you get to make something i think that's something that's um common to a lot of people who go through fac or that i've noticed anyway for software developers is that we are from kind of background creative backgrounds where we like to make things i don't know whether you have a similar experience but i like i'm big into like diy or baking like you produce something at the end I think um, th- that kind of satisfaction of creating stuff. Um, so, so I did something very similar to you. I went, I went traveling to work out what I wanted to do when I when I was changing jobs, and I wrote a list before I before I left of something that was going to be really important to me, and like that the the sort of vagueness that I started off with was making things. I was like, I want to do a job that involves making things. <laughs> so I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And it's great. We get to make things all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, we've, we've sort of vaguely talked about your experiences of actually going through the boot camp. Um, but I want to I wanna ask you some specifics. I know it's a while ago. So cast your minds back. Um, what, what was the hardest part of the boot camp for you? What was the hardest part, Ruben? Okay. Uh, I feel like I had two different hard parts. Am I allowed to say two? You are, definitely. Okay. So the first half of the course and the second half, I had two different like things that I found really difficult. Um, and both are just worries. <laughs> which I, yeah. So the first half was just fitting in to, to a peer group that, was so different to, to the kind of peer groups that I had been in in the past. Um, and I just felt like I would feel left out, despite having attended a lot of meetups and really feeling at home with these kind of people. I still worried that there would be conversations that I wouldn't understand and like just generally not feel part of um, the same group um, because of my age. And then that sort of, that disappeared quite quickly um, just because of how amazing the people in my cohort were and how amazing FAC is generally. Um, And I think that just, yeah, that sort of really helped um, just getting rid of that fear and just focusing on um, learning the things and helping other people and doing that. The other one was whether this would work. and, And this was something that, I talked to Dan about quite a bit. Um, we had our like um, pastoral walks um, 
well, yeah, but when the course went remote, there were like pastoral Zoom calls. But we have, um, for anyone listening who's who doesn't who hasn't been through fac, we have like um, checkups with an alumni or someone on the fac staff, um, just to talk about how we're feeling and like a mental health and like general checkup. And during these, I was talk. We were talking about what would happen after fac and whether my approach to this would work and whether people would think that I'm hireable um having basically done four months of this um and a portfolio and not much to go on before that um and that's still it's definitely gotten a lot better but it's still kind of in the back of my mind at times um but that being said I am like overwhelmed by just how lucky I've been for this to work the way it has um, and the position I'm in right now like if I was able to talk to myself from two years ago I would probably just give myself a hug and tell myself not to worry so much (laughs) yeah so those are the two hardest things um, which are kind of the same thing but directed at different um, different yeah different directions (laughs) Yeah, I think there's, I guess it's not quite imposter syndrome that you're talking about, but that sort of worry that the the knowledge that you have isn't necessarily valued as much as maybe it should be, um, or maybe feeling like the idea of the knowledge that you have is more valued than the actual knowledge that you have. I think like lots lots of us end up worrying about that every now and then but you know we've all successfully got jobs now maybe so (laughs) i think yeah yeah, i think it's interesting with imposter syndrome because i think it is talked about a lot in tech which is important um but i also think it is something that almost all of us do deal with at some point or another um and i don't think it ever really goes away uh completely i think it comes back in different forms um and i'm not sure if it's necessarily a terrible thing um i think it means that you well i'm not sure it probably is a bad, um but i mean uh i certainly had it during so you're asking about what the most difficult things during fac were i think mm-hmm. my concern was for a lot of the course was that I just wasn't that good at the JavaScript and the logical things as much as I was at the CSS side of <laughs> side of coding. Um, and given that it was such an intense um, course, it was quite hard to like keep up, I guess, in a way. Or I think even if I was doing well, I wasn't, I was thinking I wasn't perhaps doing as well as I should be. And so that was always a concern. I think tech tests were definitely um, something I was worried about. Uh, yeah, I suppose to the, end of the, course. the the nature of the course is that you never have time to learn something completely. So like you're always looking at the next thing that you don't understand and therefore it always feels like you don't understand. But actually you're accruing knowledge. It's just that, it's it's that you get to fill in those gaps whilst you're working on the next thing so you don't necessarily realize that you're doing it yeah Um, absolutely I think what really helped me during the course was 
looking at, and I think this also speaks to the value of peer learning, um, is that we were being taught by mentors who literally just done the course before us. So I just kept telling myself, it's gonna be, there's like a two week lag to understanding something. And the fact that your mentors understand this means that in like four months, you're gonna get it too. Like, don't worry about it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also <laughs> there is the fact that your mentors probably understand it. Like, um, there's this thing I see on tech Twitter a lot uh, about like why it's never too early to to, men- to mentor. Um, and it's like, it's always a staircase. Um, and people talk about how we're always looking at the very top and we feel like we have to be there in order to teach anyone who's just starting. But that's not true. If you learn something today, tomorrow you can, well, even on the same day, you can teach someone that thing um, or learn it with them. And that's just accepting that and being vulnerable to doing that is the greatest thing about fact. And also you can you can teach them through your very recent perspective. And so the problems that they're encountering are probably the problems that you've just encountered. It's not like you've forgotten it and you're not so, you're not at kind of a senior level where you might have forgotten what that struggle was like. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, when you actually have a memory of the process of learning rather than having just got to a point where you just intrinsically understand something, then you know how to guide someone else along that process yeah i'm um i'm very much looking forward to uh, mentoring fact 21 um like they're starting soon and it's going to be very very fun teaching them for node week so mentoring is a lot of fun but it's also quite weird to be on the other side suddenly (laughs) for your teacher because you again some of that imposter syndrome sets in you're like i'm not sure if i'm ready to be able to teach this (laughs) But um, but it's wonderful. It really is, and I think Ruben can speak to that as well. Yeah. So, um, any um, particular advice for the rest of my cohort that's about to start teaching Fact Twenty One? Then, I think enjoy uh, it and embrace it yeah. is what I'd say. Um, and don't be worried that you don't know something. Um, you can kind of figure it out together. Ruben. I would just say do as much of it as possible Um, and even if you feel scared about it at first it does become incredibly rewarding and FAC is like such a great place to do it because you know what that environment is like so it's the same for mentoring or giving talks even if you as an alumni come back to FAC and give a talk that's um it's in a way less pressure than giving a talk at like code bar or a london meetup or something um and because you know that community you can you can relate to them more um but yeah just just do it uh, it's so so rewarding and one other thing like uh, that really um i noticed when i started mentoring was because you're teaching something that you just learned, you yourself are learning it better and you're exposing yourself to more ways of getting something wrong. <laughs> um, every cohort always has different bugs. And this is something <laughs> that I discovered having mentored a few cohorts. Um, mm. And it's so interesting to see 
like it just yeah um <laughs> this will sound a bit like selfish but it's it's quite interesting to 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 watch someone else solve bugs instead of solving them yourself <laughs> <laughs> you you just sort of you get the benefit of understanding how the bug was fixed but you don't get the stress of the bug ah <laughs> 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 oh, that's a benefit that i that i hadn't imagined at all <laughs> it's yeah you're just exposing yourself to to more ways of getting something wrong and by doing that you learn how to um do it better i'm not saying get it right because there is no right in in software development there's either it works or it's broken (laughs) (laughs) um... i think the point about learning is really good i think mentoring you do you learn you have more opportunities to learn and cement your knowledge for sure but you you probably found that doing evening meetups i don't know if you've been doing those yet um i've I've done a few. I mean, the thing is, before, before I started Founders and Coders, I was a teacher. So, oh, yeah, of course. so I know, I definitely know the value of like having to explain things. Like it, if you, if you're teaching other people, then it requires that you line things up in your own mind enough to be able to communicate them. And like you, you may think that you understand something before you, tr- you attempt to do that. But when you do that, you notice exactly the parts that don't quite hold together for you um and through the process of of actually working out how to make sure that you can explain it those parts get filled in um so yeah i've like tried to pick a week where i haven't um worked on that particular that particular technology for a long time so there will definitely be some gaps that i enjoy like working out um which week did you choose a node week Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah that was I a think, challenging one. Yeah, I found I found I think with our cohort we found it quite difficult to sort of go from the model of like everything being client side to suddenly having server side stuff as well, and like those connections, it's just it's sort of adding an extra dimension to everything. Yeah, it's and, a bit of a paradigm shift to kind of yeah. start thinking that way exactly exactly so i'm i'm hoping to be able to guide some people through that um and yeah help them understand it maybe even a little bit faster fingers crossed yeah yeah i think um, you'll be great (laughs) from from uh mentoring you personally for for a team project i think i just yeah you'll be great (laughs) and talking to you on this podcast as well it's um yeah yeah it should be fun should be fun um so like again we've sort of been talking about bits of it already anyway but i'm i'm curious about your sort of connection to the community after like finishing fact like i i mean you basically said Ruben, that you've been a part of like every single cohort since then so i i assume that that connection has just stayed really really strong and it's been lovely to still feel a part of everything that fac is yeah for sure uh, <laughs> i've 
been so involved there at points, I've wondered. Maybe I should find something else to do this evening. Do I sound too eager to help out? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think job hunting was quite difficult um, because I was job hunting at the start of the pandemic. Um, I had a few interviews lined up from FAC, but they didn't go all that well. And the rest of my job hunting was during the very early pandemic where people were literally taking down job postings they had just posted because everyone was so worried. Um, I even had someone who like went to the final stage, said they really liked me, and I, I had a feeling it was just on the brink of making an offer. And then <laughs> lockdown happened that week, and they were uh. like, we can't onboard remotely, we've never done this before, we don't know how to do this, so sorry, we're just taking the whole role down. Um, but being in that situation, coming back to the community and just being around people who are excited about coding um, just helped so much. Um, yeah, so it was, it was equal parts being able to help and really loving the idea of mentoring, but also that community gives so much to back to me as well. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, really, really fortunately, like things have definitely turned around like in in the developer space now I think um almost everybody from my cohort has has got a job um or has like interviews and is close to getting jobs so um yeah I think I think that must have been a really really difficult time to finish the coding boot camp um and it seems like sort of allowing the allowing the community to sort of catch you as you're falling backwards it seems like a good way of dealing with the 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 additional stress of looking for a job whilst also dealing with being in the middle of a lockdown in a pandemic yeah mm -hmm. um yeah it so was it was strange because i managed to mentor i was mentoring week two for fac 19 which was the last week we had in the space. And then we went remote the week after. Um, so my cohort graduated into a pandemic and I was really fortunate to have lined up a job. I literally started the week that we started working from home. But I think it was a really challenging time for finding jobs that entire period because there was so much uncertainty, like Ruben said, and people just not just shutting down their hiring processes because of that but um it was i think really difficult but um i think we're quite fortunate that this is an industry where there is a lot of demand and i think we were very quick to recover yeah yeah i mean that is something that i well i'm sure a lot of people are thinking about at the moment that we're not exactly going to be dealing with a strong economy for a little while from now on I think so having a job feels like a a, a very fortunate place to be I yeah, suppose absolutely yeah. I've like seen a few articles about what's happened to the music industry and god I don't even want to talk about it but yeah just uh wow <laughs> what a year it's been mm -hmm. hey, at least uh at least it looks like we're heading in the right direction now, though. For sure. Um, 
something that I meant to mention earlier, actually, like talking about going from music to code. Um, I, I do find it's really common. Um, almost all of the developers at my um, current job did music tech degrees. Like, I think, yeah, there's, there's a big link there. That's so interesting. Um, there's um, James from, which cohort was he? Was he your cohort? Was he, was he or the one before? Oh, one before, yes. One before, I yeah. know who you mean. Yeah. Um, he also did music tech. And I was, um, <clears throat> had a quick chat with him about this and how like things intersect. There's a lot. I had big plans to do music stuff with code. I still do. Um, I'm just waiting for things to sort of settle down into more like non-survival mode. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's so much overlap and it's so interesting. Have you, um, something interesting for you to go down a rabbit hole for, um, have you heard of Algo Raves? I have not. So this is DJs who code with soft, like there's software that lets you live code music. Um, what? <laughs> and, and like make changes to what's happening Um I mean, if if you think of like electronic musical instruments like sequencers, a lot of it is programming something in, which note should play at what time. Um, but then you can obviously do that with code. And there's a whole like underground scene. There's a few documentaries on YouTube. They're really fun. And there's a whole underground scene of people just doing this and like, like throwing like basement raves with a computer and some code up on the screen. Um, oh my god this sounds how have i not heard about this already (laughs) this sounds amazing (laughs) i've very briefly dabbled into it there's something called sonic pie um which is um it's quite it's it's um it doesn't really feel like you're coding um but if you have a some background in music it does feel like you're making music um and then the the code like to me it feels more like i'm making music than i'm coding but to someone who doesn't have a background in music, it will probably feel like it's more coding. Um, but it's really interesting. You could like write functions to play certain notes at certain intervals. It feels really laborious, and it is. But <laughs> <laughs> but in a way, that's why it's fun. Like if you spend the time to code it, you can make a computer play more complex music than a person can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> fun. Little. But to be able to do that like on the fly, like being able to do that live, sounds like it'd be quite a challenge. Yeah, you should look up the um, the founder of Sonic Pie. He he does um, like live streams and stuff with his own uh, language that he made. Uh, I'm really bad at names. I've forgotten <laughs> what his name is. <laughs> it's um, okay, I'm always terrible <laughs> at them as well. But cool, so- yeah, Sonic like, Party. Anyone, anyway, that's the one to go for. Yeah, cool. Um, okay, I've got one more question for you both, and then I think maybe we should wrap up. Um, so I'd like to find out where people think they're headed at the moment. Like, what's what's the next steps for you? Like, how do you think your your de- uh, developer careers are going to continue? It's a really interesting question. I think it's hard to to say at this point. Um, I kind of really like where I am. Uh, so I think I'd like to progress at the same company, ideally. Um, and 
I really enjoy front end, so that's definitely where I'm going to stay. Um, and I think just maybe pick up another language or two, just kind of get better, I guess, um, at, at, at coding. And um, yeah, maybe I've not really thought about kind of management and leadership yet, but um, yeah, it's yeah, it just feels quite strange to have done a year of work in a pandemic. <laughs> it's quite hard to reflect right now, I think. I know. I think I think that's part of why I like to ask the question. It's kind of everything feels like it's in stasis. So it's kind of nice to remind yourself that like things will continue and change, right? Yeah. Like but at the but, same time, like appreciating where you're at, there's a lot to that too. Yeah. I think it's I always get a bit flummoxed by like where do you see yourself five years from now kind of questions <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> but um but yeah um but yeah i'm really happy where i am at the moment yeah. so. and ruben yeah um i think i find this a bit hard to answer as well because for the longest time my head was so focused on just the act of finding a job that i wasn't really thinking about what happens after um but I, I i did have a few like filters in place for what kind of job i wanted and i think i've found a lot of them in in the company that i'm working for right now and i'm really grateful for that um moving forward i think given that we're a small dev team it would be quite nice to 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 be at a point where i understand the whole tech stack that we use and I can just build new features without having to like research things for a long time first. So that's like the short term goal. Um, and in terms of a long term goal, it's really something that I'm just, I'm waiting for things to open up again to, to like think about this <laughs> because it, it it's just, I don't want to put that kind of pressure on myself right now, given the situation that we're in. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, I'm just taking things one day at a time, um, waiting for the world to sort of feel a bit normal again. We have been doing some cool stuff, getting stuck into Elasticsearch this week. So that's been a fun new thing to learn, mm-hmm. which is always nice. Nice. Have you got any other cool bits of technology that you're that you've been learning or you'd like to tell the listeners about before we go then uh yeah like so we um we use the next.js framework which is really nice uh, oh i have questions about that oh yeah <laughs> yeah so like i i haven't really got my head around server-side rendering um right. so so like what's why why use next.js okay so um, let me answer this in the best way I know, based on the limited research that I've done. Um, I will say that Next.js does a lot of stuff for you. So um, it's a position where you can use it without really understanding what's going on behind the scenes, which is not great, but it's good for getting things done quickly. <laughs> so on the topic of server-side rendering, the whole concept is instead of um, pages... Uh, so with with front end libraries like React, your page gets built with JavaScript on the front end, and that takes some time and also takes some resources. 
Um, but more importantly, I guess there is the question of SEO and search engines not being able to see your page at all when you when they're crawling it because it need, um, the page needs JavaScript to to display anything, and server side rendering basically does that for you on the server and then sends over good old fashioned HTML um, instead of like fancy React stuff. Um, so yeah, in terms of like how you set that up with Next, there is not much to like. It's so easy to do it that, um, like I said, you can you can do it without understanding or having to know what server side rendering is, um, <laughs> which is a plus to them. Like they've built something that just makes it really easy to get get stuck into. Like I I came to time to spare. Uh, not knowing anything about their tech stack and it's Next.js and Firebase. Next was so easy to pick up because it's React. Anything on top of React is on like the build step where you're deploying stuff and you're not going to look at that that often anyway. <laughs> so yeah, um, if you're looking to get into it, I would just, just knowing React gives you so much advantage. There is really not that much on top of React. Cool. Interesting. Um, thank you. That has, that has significantly cleared that up for me, actually. <laughs> I needed that like cursory, like top level explanation of, of why to do it and what it is, you know? Yeah. And, oh, analogy I just thought of. It's a bit like Express is to Node. Like it just makes certain things easier to accomplish, but mm -hmm. you're still doing the same things and writing the same sort of code. Cool. And it's super quick to deploy if you use Vassal, which is kind of parent company. Next. Mm -hmm. You can preview deployments and things. It's quite nice. nice. Also, the routing's great. I don't know whether you're still a fan of the routing ribbon. Oh, yeah. It doesn't, you don't actually have to like set up routes, do you? No, it's kind no. of based on the structure of your pages folder. Which is quite mm -hmm. nice. Cool. Well, I think we've got a podcast here. We've gone a little bit longer than I was planning to, which is lovely because we've had lots of excellent things to talk about. Uh, but I think it's about time to wrap it up. What do you guys reckon? Sounds good. Yeah, this has been so thank, good. Such, such thank a good you so to. much for having us. It's been lovely having you both here. It's like quite interesting hearing people talk about founders and coders when they've actually being able to physically be a part of founders and coders <laughs> rather than like virtually so yeah it's like it's it's a i do feel like i've missed out on something now that's i guess that's what i'm saying but, I also, but it also sounds like yeah i can be involved later <laughs> yeah absolutely i think i don't think there's an expiry date to being involved i think you're once you're a facker you're a facker for life <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, in that case, um, it's been lovely ha having you here too, listener. So um, we'll catch you next time. Um, I've been Azizi. I've been Ruben. I've been Rita. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya.